Hello, everybody, and greetings. This is Tavo D'Arcy, and we're head of the DFW Ministry Online Fellowship for Pastors and Leaders. And anybody wants to listen in, our word is always given only to the Christians and the must-be-born-again Christians of all colors, parts of the faith that believe the Bible book, and then to those that have an ear to hear what the Lord is saying through all this, we submit it to you all as a selah. We also say that there is a remnant. The Bible historically has had a remnant, and we're really part of that. We're trying to stay in that. And we are for the body of Christ. We're for unity. We're for more. But we also admit we do not know it all. Uh, and we have had not formal training except Holy Spirit. A lot of Bible study, good parenting, good teaching along the way many years. So that's why I also want to suggest that you be a noble Berean. See if it's really so. And even if Paul could praise the Berean Jews for picking apart his doctrine, we can praise you for analyzing and reviewing mine, as we'll do yours. So that's why we cannot see dogma as a big thing in this days. There are too many opinions, too many, I know this, that, and the other, and only you, God, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit, can help figure out what is really true that you want to sit under, park yourself under, and bow down to follow with. We're going to talk about leadership today. And as I said, it has really, I didn't know it growing up, but looking back, I had such a great dad, role model as a pastor, as a father, as just a natural Christian who happened to be a Baptist, chose my mother who had been a Presbyterian. And it was just like family. We didn't have big eyes, little U's, no control. I didn't know that I was raised free, back, not back under the law. I didn't know such things as all this false teaching on covering or Western European Levitical patriarchism, bowing and scraping, doctrine of the Nicolaitans, big eyes, little U's. I've studied it all because I came across it in my travels through the years. And when I see something one or two places, I think maybe that's a fluke. Maybe I didn't really see that. But if I see it 3 to 20 to 30 to 50, I will teach on it. That's the call. So we're going to talk about the roots. Many of these groups that teach on Holy Spirit, that teach on covering, that teach on faith, that teach on uh, being an overseer and that type of thing, having everyone in the shepherding, they'll use the topic, the term bitter roots or roots, Jezebel roots. So we're going back to the roots of Levi. And so we don't want to have any bitter roots because that's an accuser point that can blame shift. You know, I've studied leadership as the Lord led me, having come down from leaders, my father and others before me and him in the family. And so I just am acquainted with real peaceable leadership, respecting, responsible leadership, accountable leadership, males and females. And that's what I think. So when you come across things that are not easily entreated, James 3.17, that stands out if it's not pure-hearted, peaceable, easily to deal with, doesn't get, you know, doctrinal fist fights are not me. My theology is submitted, Sila, you hear it, pick it apart, and if it's right, you believe it. Um, I'm also for James 3.17, pure, peaceable, easily, easily entreated, full of mercy. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does something foolish once in a while, don't you, in ministry? Easily entreated, full of mercy, and good fruit. Pauline, good fruit, Galatians 5, 22, 23 comes to mind. 
that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, temperance, meekness, self-control, and goodness. Also, the wisdom that comes from above that represents God in James 3.17 is without partiality, doesn't play favorites, isn't bigoted, doesn't have big eye respect or a person's disrespect for some and only respect for a few handful, doesn't play favorites, isn't racist, biased. And it says it's without hypocrisy, not two-faced or phony. So we're trying to say that's the criteria for ministry. That's the criteria for real-life men and women of all ages. Nobody demeans, no matter what their faith, whether they're a Christian or not, we treat everyone with respect. We keep our eye on them to see if they're really trustworthy, but we still treat them with respect. And we honor them by acting in James 3.17. Therefore, we want to look at Jesus Christ as the role model for authority. He was the apostles, chief apostle of all the first church apostles. You're in my apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, the only real prophet in the gate of every city, not like some books talk about, have been written, which can make humans get their head big and swollen. So we look back at real life and real Bible and pick out when Jesus Christ was alive, walking the earth before his crucifixion, his death for us on the cross, before his resurrection, when he was just a developing minister around Jerusalem, have a mother Mary, a father Joseph, natural uh, earthly father, and his father was the Holy Spirit, Father God, Creator, my, yet after he was born in the virgin birth, Then Mary and Joseph did get officially married and consummate their marriage and had other offspring. Amongst them was James, the future writer of the book of James, the bishop and the pastor of the Church of Jerusalem, and several more, a couple of sisters or so, and brothers. Now, James didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior, until after his resurrection. But all that's interesting. So Jesus had to interact with relationships with family, with people who didn't like him, people maybe who coveted or jealous, they didn't know why, people who made uneasy, and yet he had a call to the area. And our motto is, you might have a call, you may be sent spiritually by God, but that didn't mean you'll be accepted or rejected, accepted or respected. So when we look at Christ, we look about when he went around doing good, like Acts 10.38 described him. Jesus Christ described in Acts 10.38, the Messiah, leader, the prophet of the whole church. He went about doing good healing, all those who were oppressed by the devil, and the Lord was with him. So he had people that he actually related to and encountered, and he wasn't elevated and cloistered keeping his mantle mysteriously, mystically, and enigmatically apart so that only a few handful favored ones could get in, which is like something out of today. We look at the roots of Jesus Christ. We look at the leadership of his prophecy, of his prophet, the office prophet that walked the earth, and we can see how he reacted and acted to every relationship written that is written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, not the Gossips, but the Gospels. And that would be a criteria for our interaction, our relationships 
with people we come across in today's ministry and society. That's a leadership teaching. So we look at Jesus Christ and we look at the apostles of the first church and we think, well, how did they act and react in ministry? Did they have big eyes? No, that didn't come in that yet. That was a false doctrine that started to infiltrate later. Paul tried to correct that by saying that do not have, say I'm a fan club follower of one apostle or the other. That's my modern version of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 3, where Paul rebukes the elders and people of the church of Corinth, the fleshly church, by saying, don't divide the church by saying, I'm for Paul. And then I think I prefer Apollos or somebody else say, I'm for Jesus and be unified. So we want to look at authority and say, where do you see the apostles sitting around looking for false apostles as a big top priority? No, they were too busy trying to hear God because there was no previously written down canon of Bible scripture other than the Torah. And that was, you know, they were trying to figure out what was legalistic, what was freedom, what's the new doctrine, the download from the Lord. So they had many times of prayer and fasting. The apostles were not table waiters. They could have waited tables, maybe younger, but now they had to appoint people because it was so serious. Time was short. Time was fleeting. They had to get the church set up before they died or something, you know, before they, the t- they missed the timing. So the Bible teaches they had great prayer and fasting, and they had to weed out doctrine to teach and so they were not table waiters, and I'm not a table waiter ministry. I have in my day many times, but this time is serious to go to the Lord and seek the Lord for his word and his doctrine. The first church, if we brought it today, would look like chaos. It would look like a quagmire of confusion because they weren't all in order. They were house to house. There was no big I, little you, and no previous doctrine like shepherding that says you better be under so-and-so you better be in church every week you better not church hop in fact i think it's sort of funny i'm just submitting this as a selah if the bible was described in the first church in new testament sense as house to house everybody's so full of enthusiasm discovery joy and celebrating the holy spirit and the the freedom they had and getting to know god personally as as their favor and as their friend and in a relationship and the community started to spread the Holy Spirit. I can imagine it was wild. People come in from being slaves. People come in from being Romans. People come from Africa, Asia, all the different places without any background. And that's the Gentiles. The Jews come in with the law. They're a bit more stable, but they have to be deprogrammed, you know, be set free of the legalism you cannot do that. I'm watching you. You better be in church on Sunday. You better not. You better wash your hands. So the freedom was coming, but it was being slowly birthed. That's what the women issue is about. They couldn't. I believe they just didn't have time to do all the battles to defrag the culture. It was. It had been such a system of that for so long, and so many people they couldn't deal with that. They did get Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the basic first church doctrine to really explode and plant the work, and that's what was going on. It was pre-Christian culture, as well as ours is now post-Christian mostly. So it's a similar situation at the other end. That's why we need to hear God and get our doctrine right. 
So we look at the leader going around town. We look at nobody keeping tabs on everybody to see if they were in a fellowship or out. They were just grateful to have the Holy Spirit, have a fellowship in freedom in Christ, get to know one another and watch the yokes be broken off everybody's life. They wanted to know a real God, a living God. And first house to house church was not Levitical patriarch, even though they had to weed that doctrine out, surely. There were the patriarchs in place and the men were the leaders in the New Testament because they still were working out with so many factors they couldn't get out of the law. And uh, there were helpers of women back then. They mentioned them in the New Testament that helped the apostles. But it's not a big deal to me. It was, it was not a big deal in the day as it is now because so many people are critical and accuse females or accuse people who let females teach in church just because they've never studied and covered the packaging of the levels of why Paul said that. The people that were are confused is that you have to think the time in which they lived, they were a mixture of new saved people, born again people, and the men and women, and the women who were Gentiles were not raised under anything, and they would shout out, and the women under the law could have shouted out, but they were more used to being controlled or being under the leadership. So they had the women acting out and Paul didn't have time. He said, let the women be taught at home. Don't teach in the church. So in my opinion now, I'm submitting this, that Paul also didn't know what we would know and, you know, see the different ways God has revealed things and confirmed things through the years to leadership. So Paul said, let the women be quiet. We got a lot of stuff to cover and, you know, God can work it out later. So that's my theory. Now we're not back into the law. It's every person hear God about that for yourself. So I teach against Jezebel, over, enthroning Jezebel. I did that another topic. I won't do it because I studied it. And it goes in chain of command to the leader is the rebuke. And it is about the man in both situations, First Kings 16, his choices and his weakness not to rise up, not to man up, not to human up with God's help in both 1 Kings 16 and Revelation 2, Church of Thyatira, when God rebukes the leader, the man leader over that church, not the Jezebel, because the man was afraid of the Jezebel, who happened to be a woman. Now it could be a male or a female because we live in this far past legalism. The issue is no fear of man, no fear of human, no fear of Jezebels, no fear of witches, no fear of yourself. Fear of human, fear of person brings a snare. Proverbs 29.25. All right. So let us look now at Jesus Christ as the leader with his authority. His authority comes from Luke. Excuse me. His authority comes from Isaiah 11, Isaiah, Isaiah 11, 2 and 3, where it says that the Messiah coming down from the rod of Jesse, the lineage of Jesse, the root of Jesse, not Jezebel, but Jesse, David's side of the family on Mary's side, would come and he would be filled with God's seven spirits, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of might, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And then he would not judge by the sight of his eyes. He would delight himself in the fear of the Lord, it says, and he would be quick of discernment, but he wouldn't use his discernment as judgmental accusation. And that's a good point today. Also to 
help people grow in these seven spirits of might personally by faith. Just say, Lord, I want more of your spirit of might. I want more of your counsel. I want more of your wisdom by faith. And then that will help you at least ease to the power of the book of Acts. The dunamis power is that without the Holy Ghost praying in tongues, which is optional, but commanded. Everyone needs to do that. And I do it. But I know what it's like from my past experiences years ago, not by my daddy, but by people filled with the Holy Ghost that were bossy. And I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to try to help you enjoy it. Either don't do it if you don't feel it or do it. I recommend doing it. It's so practical and it helps with revelation as well. But we're looking at the multi-levels of authority in the new day of Christianity. I was making a point about the house-to-house church because there was no such thing as finger-pointing accusation by the fellow disciples or the rising group of ministers. Oh, look, I saw so-and-so over there. They church-hopped. I saw them at that church. I I mean, really, it's just that's grassroots right now in too many places. Critical. Levitical, critical sin, spying, and judging. We don't want that, so we're talking against it and bringing that out to get rid of it. Ephesians 4, Common Doctrine, and the pamphlet on online fellowship about that. Onlinefellowship.us will help go through the list of the common snafus at local level about the um, what brings out accusation in fellowships and in ministries at the local level, and one of them is that. The other is that you're not under a local pastor. That's another big one right now. So we put that on there and you can compare it with Common Doctrine Ephesians 4. When we look at the who does what in leadership, we say that the chief apostle of any work, male or female, this happens to be Jesus, the mightiest work of all, but in his day alone at the top, which is really the bottom, when you're alone at the top, you may they think you're the leader, you're the founder, God gave you the call, but when you know the turf, which I do, then you know that really you've got a responsibility before the Lord, private, personally, ministry, financially. You've got it all on your plate. Who does what? Am I telling them right? Am I getting the right things done? Where you want it? The right people? Is this the right? All this stuff. Prayer as well. So it's really like multifaceted and you have to hear God so carefully that that's what takes praying and fat praying and fasting praying and fasting because it's such a fine-tuning thing with a relationship in the Holy Spirit with God in the fear of the Lord so that's why Jesus every day went for an hour at least to the Garden of Gethsemane to be by himself with the Father so that they could download In the book of John, it tells us that Christ made the comment. He said, Father, I want to do nothing. I do nothing unless I first see my father do it. I say nothing unless I first hear my father say it. Otherwise, it will not be of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm working on it. I've tried that. That didn't always work with me. But what happened is he had such temperance, such self-government, self-control such an ability to discern well more than us that he would get in with God and perceive or hear and discern. Maybe it's audible, but to me it's a perception and discernment factor in your relationship. And God would speak to him. I want you to do this. 
I want you to do that. I want you to do this this year with the disciples. I want you to go over and toss up those temple money changers, but don't, you know, hurt them. All those types of things are revealed. So there was great revelation. Apostle Paul confirms that with his mammoth teaching of two-thirds of the New Testament. How he gets it is this, which he wants for the churches, you and me. Ephesians 1.17, Paul says, I pray for all of you. I never cease to pray that all of you will have more of God's Holy Spirit, free wisdom, supernatural wisdom, and revelation downloads in your knowledge of him. In your knowledge of him, that means being with him over time, studying and prayer and all this fasting, whatever, being with him. Then all of a sudden that knowledge and everything kicks in as a gift from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say, I want you to get all this wisdom and knowledge by knowing, reading books about him, listening to so-and-so's tapes and messages by him, even though that can be part of it. Let that be part of it. But if you want to be your own minister and have your own work and hear from God directly, you won't want to copy everybody. You won't want to hear a lot of things. There are people now I do not listen to that I like. There are certain female preachers. I don't listen to them because I don't want to make the mistake of hearing their stuff and taking it on and thinking I got it. You know, I want God to speak fresh men and women. So if you have that tendency, you hear God for yourself. I got the scripture years ago, even though my father was a seminary graduate, Louisville, Kentucky Seminary, uh, years ago, I when I went to make the choice, do I go to Bible college? Do I go to, can I go to Bible college? Can I go to seminary? The Lord said no. And my mother and sister did after his death. And I thought, man, what's going on? And the Lord gave me the scripture. And it says, you will have no need that any man shall teach you, but the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. And that I said, okay, I'll hinder that. So he's used personal study time after time. He's used just being sent to meetings. He uses different methods of teaching where all of a sudden one thing they say, one point they make may trigger 20 thoughts of revelation in me. And that's over time and God's gift, free mercy. So we don't have hangups as much then in the first church as we do now. I like to think, what would they think about hierarchy today? Because it's needed, but it's revealed hierarchy, not hardened bureaucracy. That can get slow and impersonal, judgmental. I would like to think that back then, if they used the principle, it was house to house, freedom to choose where the Lord leads you, you just go, nobody questions you. It's probably, I would think like the Muslims do, it looks like they're free to go. I don't know, you know, how that operates, but they seem to be a team more than the Christians. One group with many branches. I know they have a few device, divisions in there, different kinds of Muslims, so that's part of it. Well, anyway, back to us. So we go to house-to-house theology, basically. Freedom to hear God without any judgment. No judgments like the gym. Planet Fitness, no judgments. <laughs> I love it. I love no judgments. So you can use common sense, but no critical accuser judgments. All right. So we look at that, and then we look at the surprising fact that nobody seems to know out there, and that is... Apostle Paul and his government, his spiritual authority for his ministry. 
And we go traveling over to the book of Galatians, chapter 1, 1 and 2, and we find out Paul describes his authority, who Paul is under, who is Paul under. I always used to think when I marveled at the different kind of theology I stumbled across about being under somebody and their, you know, all that type of thing, hierarchy. I used to think, well, what would they say about Paul? Who is Paul under? I don't remember anything. I didn't know this verse yet either. Who is Elijah under? All right. Back on point. Let's go to Galatians 1, 1 and 2, where it says, written by Paul, I, I, Paul, an apostle called by not any one person, not any one group, but I and the brothers that are with me. I, Apostle Paul, he calls himself an apostle. He's not ashamed. He says, apostle, he writes it out in a lowercase letter, meaning a servant leadership, not a uh, servant leadership, not a famous capital big A ego. And he says, every time he writes that, the same thing, lowercase letter, even bishops, apostle, evangelist, prophet, pastor, teacher, later on. So Paul says about himself, I am commissioned. An apostle is one who the Lord reveals a download and said, I'm commissioning you to plant a colony, a spiritual work, a business, a TV media ministry, whatever. So Paul had gotten the download that he was called to work, birth a work. His work was writing and being the uh, apostle that deals with all the different doctrines that were being needed for family as well as society in the church community and to deal with against legalism Paul was sent to the apostles as his apostleship was for the Gentiles to bring in the Gentiles apostle Peter was for the Jews so Paul is writing to edify, strengthen, and comfort the churches that were, and give them downloads, revelation from the Lord freely. He got it, as I said before, in his knowledge of the Lord, being with the Lord alone, practically the only Christian around up in Arabia, Damascus, Syria, for 14 years after the first 12 apostles calmly kicked him out, said, we don't want to fellowship with you right now. We don't want you to work with us. We don't trust you. So he goes up there where he finds, I guess, enough family feel up there with the Arabs. And he dwells there and he learns to hear God so well. He writes two thirds of the New Testament when he comes back. And then he is accepted by the church in Jerusalem. So there are many interesting details, many facts that we don't hear about. We want to hear about. So when I look at the title issues, elite ministry. I think of Paul. I think, now what would Paul do and Jesus do if they came back? I don't see that mentioned in their doctrine. There's order, submission, but it's Paul's submission is misquoted. Paul's submission is Ephesians 4, 1 to the whole church. Everyone walk in humility and meekness and enduring love. He also says it to all the church in Ephesians 5, 21 as well as marriage, Ephesians 5.21 said, everyone walk in mutual submission in the fear of the Lord. Then it goes to the woman and a married husband and wife. Then it says wives submit to the husband, but they've already submitted mutually in Ephesians 5.21 if they're really living by the Bible in a non-legalistic fashion. So 
when we look at Paul in Galatians 1, talking about his spiritual authority, it's like a model for all of us who don't like to be under the law. It is like akin to house to house. It is like Paul says, I'm not sent out by any one famous preacher or non-famous preacher. I'm not sent by any one man, human, or any group. And I don't have to prove that I'm not that I'm valid because of that. He didn't say it like that, but he was dealing, if you read the book of Galatians, if you know the story of the book of Galatians, Paul was must have been under attack. He must have been gossiped about or accused of being in rebellion to authority, their kind, the Levitical kind, because he's writing to the Galatian elders. And later in chapter 3, he tells them, he rebukes them. He says, who bewitched you? So they were into some kind of controlling doctrine. They were trying to control him or trying to prove the law was bigger than Jesus or just had issues with his authority freedom. And then later, he also has to remind these leaders to be humble because he openly states in chapter six, verse one, he says, elders, when you see somebody in a flaw, in a sin, you are to go over there and upfront confront them respectfully, but do it in humility and meekness in case you yourself get tempted by the same sin. That's not taught that one-to-one relationship, respect, down-to-earth practicality in this big, hurried, hasty political ministry that's out there in the earth today, TV-affected. So I'm saying for people that want to be like Paul, you have the freedom to use the scriptures that I'm giving you, Galatians 1, 1 and 2, male or female, that's us. The Lord gave it to me. And then also to know that when you have male-female issues that we're not back under the law, and if you're in, if you're submitted to God's whole counsel, you have people that are wise that speak into your life, and you really feel it. Go out and be the head person, male or female, and do it only if God tells you. If He leads you, don't just say, "I'm going to do it to prove I can." That's wrong. That's a bad heart attitude. Also, if you feel that you are able to go to be and not need anybody else's style, then that is good for you. But if you're a person that says, you know what, I can't take, I like what they do with the family and the children. I love that, but I'm really desperate because I got so much stress and my marriage is under attack. I need more worship. And these people just don't have that on their call. I need to go supplement like a vitamin to a church that has more prophetic moves or worship or healing or whatever fine arts, that to me is body unity, is part of community, is not putting all your eggs in one basket. I'm teaching also on a shocking thing in modern day Christianity. I'm teaching on what if we view ourselves as one community, no denominations, no religion, but one community divided up out of practicality in different styles and communities because nobody can fit in one building. Also, God has a huge personality, huge, and he's eclectic. We don't know all his facets, but he chooses to reveal several of his facets here and there through different kinds of Christians and their music and their style and their delivery and their preferences. And then you can go where you feel you're sent. Go like a apostolic minister that you are sent an apostle, a chief apostle, the head of the movement is called by God, but they're sent. 
They are sent messengers. And I believe it's time now at the end of this, we're in the last days, that we need to be sent messengers and ask God where we're being sent. And you stay there on assignment as long as God tells you. And then when it's time for you to leave, you leave, but not because you're critical, ugly, or judgmental. So we have one community, I call it divine cross-pollinating, which I'm good at. And I like it if I, you know, because I have a, I get weary sometimes and I, I need to keep my joy and I need to go get that insulation of worship or good ministry revival sometimes. I love people when they tell me they're out and about and they say, you know what, Tavo, this is happening over there. And I'll say, oh, if the Lord tells me, I'll go because I'm not shy I'm not going to be locked into some kind of loveless religion by saying, I'll only go with my kind. I know it all. I've got it all. I don't. I am part of the body, and I like to enjoy what the rel- I call relatives. The relatives in the body are doing with God. What's he doing over there? And then if it's really good, when I meet somebody out on my turf, which is the grassroots ministry field, out in the fields, I will say, oh, I can recommend that group. There's some in McKinney. There are two of them in McKinney right now that I've never, I'm so grateful they're there. They're so not legalistic. They have joy. They know the Holy Spirit and not back under the law with all this kind of teaching that's out here, spooky spiritual. And I can freely say, I will recommend them. And when I meet a pastor or leader that I can trust and I think is good for people, I will keep them in my file, black and white. So we want that as a cross. I'm a sheep herder. One of God's sheep herders. I'd rather have no sheep than the wrong sheep. I'd rather have two sheep that, that are quality and sent and faithful and responsible and decent and respectful than 35 to 1,000 that are full of mischief and ugly. So I don't know if this is a scripture or not. I tried to find it, but I heard it years ago. It sounds great to me that Jesus said, email me at dfwleader at gmail.com if you have the scripture. I'm going to try Googling it again tonight. But anyway, it says, Jesus said, Father, I've been faithful to those you've sent me. And I thought, that's right. That's the secret. God sends the pastor, the leader, the teacher, the people they, that need to come. Because time is short and people need different things. Therefore, pray in only the ones that are being sent. Anyone else, you refer them to anybody else. And I think I know the trouble with that. I think I got the trouble with that already. It's money. People want secure money coming in the ministry. And I'm not going to be like that. I've said it before. I am dependent on God. I ask that you pray for us. Pray prayer protection because we don't have a lot of income we don't have a lot of um, understanding of what we're doing because it's so atypical, especially for a, a female wrapped in an earth suit of a female quality by the Lord for special purposes. But we want to help people. I'm a body player all my life, and we're not into women's lib. This is about people's liberation. I'm into human liberation, black or white, brown or green. So we only want you to be happy God wants you to be happy and celebrated where you are, not tolerated, not disrespected. So if you are not sent to me personally, I'll be glad to give you advice and tell you some of the places to go. And if you find one I never heard about and it's really good, let me know. This is body work, body teammate 
body community like book of Ephesians 4. Back to the money. Jesus had such faith that he could pray when he had taxes and they'd go to the fish's mouth and they'd find money in it. I don't know about your faith. My faith is pretty tested when it comes to that strength. (laughs) I've had miracles, but really, you know, on the everyday, you want a community and provision so you don't have to always focus on that. That's the bottom line. That's true. The other part is, I believe because of the weirdness, like in... First Samuel, the day of Hophni and Phinehas, the Eli Temple high priesthood that were compassion fatigued, used the women that came to the door and slept with them. Levitical patriarchs, they didn't, they demean women, they accused women, didn't think they were valuable. And they also misused the offering, put people under pressure to produce the offering, which they took and commandeered the priesthood. And Levi, the, the Eli, the high priest wouldn't set his sons down or rebuke them. So the news of the offering and the women went throughout the whole area. And the ministry had a bad reputation because of the sons of Levi. And today the offering was like then they said that the offering was held in great disrespect. The Lord's offering was held in great disrespect in that day of first Samuel. It is held in great disrespect, maybe even greater disrespect today from the 80s downward, it's gotten worse because of all the goings on under the name of Christ following and TV ministry influenced weak people that didn't know the real core of holy fear of the Lord, etc. We're not putting down TV. It's what happens. Here's the teaching. What happens between the bishop, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher on TV, and what happens after it travels down to grassroots where it's warped? misunderstood, taken with mamas and daddies, old-timey teachings with grifting and improprieties because they're no, no good character. They're, you know, no, they're ignorant. So then we get doctrine and it looks popular because they're making money off of it and they're using people and they're looking shiny because they got their, you know, a clean building and a clean suits and a new car. <laughs> so everybody thinks they're, they're righteous. And this is how it happens for the last how many years, 25, 30 years that I've been around watching it in grassroots. So the idea is that we are picking apart doctrine. We're not pointing fingers, hopefully, at any one group or person by name. But we're saying these are fruits that I'm assessing repeatedly, and they are fruits that are caustic. These are not fruits that line up with the James 3.17 purity and these are fruits that line up with First Samuel, Hophni and Phinehas, where the Lord is di- their Lord's offering was dif- disrespected in that day. So I've been, by God's mercy and His leading, bending over backwards. How do you take? I really hardly take an offering. I really am paralyzed by it. I think that is. I know what the general population is feeling. I feel for you. I feel for you. Years ago, I was at a pastor's gathering, a conference I was invited to. And they had an African preacher, and he helped me so much. This is probably 2008 or 9. And the African preacher was called on stage to testify how he had like 50,000 people. And he had started with God and a couple of books about faith for finances or prosperity. And he went and fasted, and the Lord told him this. The Lord said, do not go and expect money and ask people for money for my work. I want you to ask me for money to come in 
to take you to the people. And that hit me like amazing peace. So since 2008 and 9, I have given my own money but I to the Lord, but I have really just trusted God. Lord, I don't care if it's my money or their money or whatever money, find it on the road, provision or whatever. Lord, I just believe that you're going to take me to where you want me to go. And what he's done, it hadn't been huge finances at all. It's been extremely the opposite, but he showed me how I can find, he can find me things on technology to get me out there free. I do most things for free or barely nothing. I've had all these things because of his Holy Spirit anointing. And I can help you if you're not good at things. I'm creative. And I know how by God's gift just to get online and do it and then witness in the fields that are white for harvest. The new vehicle. We're now standing for the new truck with a cab, Ram new truck and a back that covered a hall, work with the homeless, live out there for a while, a few weeks at a time, and then come back, get on the road, evangelize the must-be-born-again Christians. We need prayer. That's what we really want is more prayer protection. And then God to reveal and uncover where the money is for that van and also for a house, for my house, for my provision, my land, my property, the Lord's office, a lot of technology recording studio base, TV recording base. That's what we want. And we'll use it to help the ministry and other Christians as well. So we've done this for a while. It's been behind the scenes. It's been a blessing. It's been a, a weird time, but also it's been a liberating time. Like I say, I'm not sent to, like Paul was sent. I asked the Lord this. I said, Lord, you say I'm an apostle, like an off scouring of the world apostle. And one that's at the bottom, not the top, because they know too much, you know, and it's, but I've, I've the Lord, so it's fun. It really is fun. It makes me happy. But I said, Lord, if Paul was chosen to give to the Gentiles and Peter was sent to the Jews, who am I being sent to? And he said this, and I laughed. The Lord is amazing. He said, you're sent to the slacks wearers. I went, Oh my heavens, you're right, I am. I'm sent to people who wear slacks. And I guess, I would assume the people who don't believe in wearing slacks, the females, they already know all this stuff. They already have the fear of the Lord, the holy terror of the Lord. But anyway, I rolled with it. I'm just made like that. I'm always sent to men. Usually more to the men, strong men, intense men, than I am to women. But now, used to be that I was happier. I didn't like working with women. They were too wimpish. But now God's got women that are warrior women and real women and leader capable women. They're not afraid, young and old. And I think, man, that's fine. I like them. I can handle that. So we just want to be just going about doing good, but it needs more prayer power, a team. We want to have worship. Lord really has wanted me to have worship, but with the things that went on in my private life as the backfire of the office attack and rape attempt and all that stuff. I had to recover and I'm still working on the car issues. But in the middle of it, we keep on going. We're online. We write. We don't waste a thing. We're frugal. We don't waste a thing even during the assault. And they held my Lord's possessions office and locked me out and sick the police because they were good old boys. These were the good old boys. Weird, you know, I don't know what went on because I'd filed charges, but I didn't press it to save their rep. I filed charges, but I didn't take them to court because I wanted to help shake up the guy that did it because he had young children. I wasn't going to ruin his business. Well, he ruined mine. 
So also on the list for standing in God and thanking God is a to replace our Yamaha XS90 keyboard with the newest one that's out there. I think it's called something like Nordic or something like that. That's what I want. Quality I can record on and sing with as well, minister with. So we're asking prayer and agreement and the Lord will uncover the relationships or the needs, how this, these are all going to happen. And if you're one of them, if you feel it, then go ahead and look online at online fellowship and sow a seed to dfwleader at gmail.com using PayPal. But anyway, God is good as mercy endures. And I felt like when all this stuff goes on, I just now, by this time in my life, I think, man, I feel so young, nothing, you know, I just feel like the joy I feel so free. I've never felt this liberated from fear and anxiety and worry on a daily basis ever in my life. I've never been this bold in the Lord and more confident because after you go through peril, it's after you get over it, you think, man, I didn't know that I was so tame. I was so paranoid about what people thought about me. I didn't know that till I went through great stress with people, mostly, usually only God's people. <laughs> and that's over. But I thought, man, I didn't realize that I was raised so well with happy parents. It really matters. I didn't realize that would help me when I met disrespect and false doctrine, that I could help discern it with God's help, you know, amongst God's people. But I counted all joy. And I think I've never arrived. I've not arrived, but I've made it so far to this day. I've made it to this time. So have you. And we celebrate that, that we don't know what the Lord is going to do, but we know his good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. And let me say that from this generation to your generation, all is well, all is good in the Lord. Favor is not fair. Favor in your re this region is not fair. Favor is from the Lord, a supernatural gift. And we bless you with it. We bless you today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Gotta go. God loves you. Bye-bye.